What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show on whatever platform you're listening to us through. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Tyler and I will discuss the recent criticism the NBA play-in tournament has received. Also, I'll ask Tyler if the Nets have enough time left in the season to get their on-court chemistry together with the new injury news coming out of Brooklyn. We're also going to recap the Dodgers series over the weekend with the Padres and talk about the history made between the Dodgers and Mariners in Seattle yesterday. All this and more on episode 191 of the TSK show coming up right now. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 191 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's uh it's it's super nice weather up here right now. Like, I mean, right now I feel like Western Washington is like tough to be anywhere. Um, so it's been it's been nice to be able to get outside a little bit. And uh, there's, well, we got Mortal Kombat coming out this this Friday. But oh yeah, some movie news real quick. Okay, cool. Mortal Kombat. I got, I got, Mortal Kombat, and then the real life Mortal Kombat. We got UFC. Oh. Uh, we got. I, like, I see got, what you did there. <laughs> yep, we got Jorge Masvidal and Kamal Usman fighting for the belt. Uh, these guys are ex teammates. So. Um, oh, that's interesting. Be, I didn't know that. Yep, it's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good one. Um, and there's also two other belt fights. Um, the uh, women, uh, two women's belts, uh, but not Rose. Or not Rose is fighting, not Amanda Nunes. Uh, she's not fighting. Um, and then, yeah, and uh, so I'm excited for the fights this weekend. And, man, I, I'm glad it's going to be a good one because the last weekends were horrible. Yeah, so that, that's that's what I wanted to ask you first off, right off the bat, before we get into to anything. You said that you thought Jake Paul was going to win against Ben Askren. He ends up knocking him out within, like, the first, like, 20 seconds, I think. And I mean, everybody was saying after that Ben Askren took a dive, and I, I, I got to know Tyler. Do you think Ben Askren took a dive? Yeah, uh, he, you know, he got hit for for real, for real. You oh, know what yeah. I'm saying? But he he did not prepare like you would have thought. I mean, look look at his body when he came in. This was a this was for sure a payday. Um, Five hundred thousand dollars. Five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, which is just like it's UFC's got to pay these guys like John Jones more money. That that's the kind of example that 
that Ben Askren just said. It's like, how's Ben going to get half a million to get knocked out by a YouTuber and John Jones can't get, you know, three times that. So, uh, anyways, I do think, I, I don't think he came in there like really trying. I don't think he prepared, you know, and, uh, he's not a boxer. He's a, he's a wrestler. So it was literally a boxer fighting a wrestler in boxing. And then the way the fight was ended was just like so bizarre that it makes you feel like, it was well, all the they they never expected it to go the distance. Well, he and got up and the ref kind of just was like, "Nope, they, they, it's done." Yeah, it was almost yeah, it was very similar to Nate Diaz and and the BMF belt where they like they like stood him back up ready to ready to fight and then they called the fight. Yeah, um, and so what that makes me think is that you know whether Ben Askren like asked for this or not, they were they planned on early calls. You know, like they weren't taking any chances there, you know, because if that's a professional boxing match, you, you're going to let it keep going. Yeah, I um, think. But because this is more of like a celebrity thing, I think they were they were ready to have the quick whistle. Yeah, I, I did see a lot of complaints about the whole fight card in, in general, though, for for that event. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see if if Snoop Dogg keeps it going. It was trash. I mean, it was just it was not what you want unless you're like a Jake Paul guy. Like that's the only, it, it, you know, and he really, even Jake Paul probably wanted it to go more rounds than that. He wanted it to end on a knockout, um, which essentially he got a TKO. It, it was, it was just an unentertaining event. And now with Jake being three and O against an NBA player, a wrestler and a YouTuber, I think he's got it. If he wants to keep the, the quality up uh he's got to fight a fighter a boxer um now he's always going to be able to sell you know what i mean like the money's always going to be there it's just like does he want to like give out some better product and you know make it more sustainable and maybe become a legitimate pro boxer yep but uh we we will just have to wait and see and, and we'll see who who his next opponent is because i'm sure he'll be looking for his next payday as well yeah, that's the thing. He's going to have a lot of options. There's a ton of guys that want to take that fight just to, you know, even if they do lose, it's it's money. And fighters that, you know, those are guys where it's like he's not going to take their pride. Ben Askren doesn't give a shit. Ben yeah. Askren walked out of that gym looking happy as hell. Yeah. Yep. But, all right, Tyler's looking forward to all the fights this weekend. I'm looking forward to the conclusion of the NBA regular season. We got We got 14 games or or so give or take depending on uh which team you are left we got some topics to talk about in nba3 in the key but before i do that i gotta let you know that this episode of the sports kingdom show is sponsored by j diamond estates for all of your real estate needs here in the los angeles area contact jacob diamond at 818-451-8539 or you can check out his website jdiamondestates.com dre number 02068 Three one one. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Take this and you burn it, Joe.
job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. Like I was saying, there is about 14 games, give or take, left in the NBA regular season, Tyler. I can't believe it that we're already almost to the playoffs. I, I feel like time has been flying by. It's already almost May. This is, this is wild. Yeah, definitely, especially for, like, the NBA fans because it was such a quick turnaround, you know? And- yeah. Uh, yeah, time does seem to just be just be motoring by. The world is is just kind of our country just con- constantly just like moving, moving, moving. Um, so uh, yeah, it is wild that this season's almost up. Yes, and it it still feels pretty fresh. The Lakers winning a title, you know, bubble yeah. basketball still still feels like recent memory. Yeah, I mean, it was only six months ago. That was it was October. That's that was not that long ago. No, no, that yeah, that's that's to be eye in the playoffs now. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I mean, listen, that's that's what happens. Like you were saying, when there's a 71 day off season, and then you instead of having an 82 game regular season, you have a 72 game regular season, and within that 72 game regular season structure, there has also been the addition of the playing game and that's that's the first topic here in our NBA 3 in the key segment is the playing tournament because it it received some criticism uh probably about a week or so ago week and a half ago now um but we we haven't talked about it yet and I definitely wanted to talk about it I remember telling Tyler at the end of the episode last week uh to make sure to remind me that we talked about it uh this week and so Real quick, I just want to break down the the play-in tournament for everybody so everybody has that base knowledge first, and, and then I'll get into the, the criticism that it's received recently. So the play-in tournament, it first uh, came to be because of the bubble, right, Tyler? Back uh, last season, they had to abruptly end the season – or pause the season, excuse me, because of the coronavirus and they couldn't uh, end the regular season in a normal fashion. So they had to have this play-in tournament to determine some of the last seeds in the playoffs last season. And I, it was Portland and Memphis that played in that play-in game, right, Tyler? And that's how Portland got to be the eighth seed against the Lakers? Yep. Okay. All right, just trying to make sure memory serves me correctly. But so that's that's where the playing game started. But this season, it it's been included in in the playoff structure again. So this year, the way it breaks down is at the end of the regular season, whoever is the seventh seed will play whoever is the eighth seed, and whoever is the ninth seed plays the tenth seed in one-off games. Now, the winner of the 7-8 game automatically becomes the 7th seed. So, if the 7th seed beats the 8th seed in that game between those two teams, the 7th seed stays the 7th seed, and that's that. Or, if the 8th seed beats the 7th seed, the 8th seed now becomes the 7th seed, and then the, the 
loser of that 7-8 game plays the winner of the 9-10 game. So the 7-8 seeds play each other, then the 9-10 teams play each other. The winner of the 9-10 team or the 9-10 game plays the loser of the 7-8 game for the 8th seed. I hope that that makes sense. I know it's kind of confusing. Did, Tyler, did, do you think I did a good job at that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you let it up. Yeah, they both yeah, you got the 7-8 game, you got the 9-10 game, and then the winner of the 9-10 game plays the loser of the the 7-8 game. Right. Okay. All right, perfect. Just just making sure. Yep. We're good. So, this whole idea was unanimously voted on by the NBA Board of Governors, a.k.a. the NBA owners. So the owners of all the teams, they voted on this unanimously to be a part of the structure for the playoff seedings for this season. Now, in comes Luka Doncic and Mark Cuban. And Tyler, I'm not sure if you have seen these comments or not, but that's honestly why I wanted to talk about this because these comments kind of stood out to me in a, in a pretty peculiar way. So after a game last week, Luka Doncic was quoted as saying in a, pre, in a post-game press conference, quote, I don't understand the idea of a play-in. You play 72 games to get into the playoffs, then maybe you lose two in a row and you're out of the playoffs. So I don't see the point of that. Okay. I kind of get his premise where you play 72 games and you get into the playoffs, then maybe you lose two games because you're the seventh seed and then you lose to the eighth seed and then somehow either the nine or the 10 seed upsets you. That that would suck. I'm personally, Tyler, I'm not a fan of the playing game. Yeah, I think, it, Luke it, is it, on, I, think, I think Luke is on point with his. Right his frustrations right because i mean i i don't like the idea of this whole playing tournament it's like you do have a a regular season to kind of put your body of work out on the onto the table of of whether you're willing or like deserving to be in the playoffs like that that goes off of your regular season and, record i get yeah, that and, it, and it's not like and it's not like a true you know like playing scenario because the nba plays seven game series you know and these are just like one-off games right like you said he could drop two and be out of the playoffs right um, after earning a seven or eight seed um during the regular season yeah like the call like college football and baseball like those are one game scenarios so adding another one game it's like you know it's it's closer to the it's closer to par this is just like it's super risky and and it's uh it is weird. I'm not a big fan of it myself either because I'm with Luca. Like, I mean, if you win games all 72, you know, and then uh, you lose those two, you would be extremely upset. Yeah. Now, where the the controversy and and the criticism really comes into play is when Mark Cuban has some words about the the play in tournament after Luca's comments started to circulate and and he told ESPN in a series of messages 
quote, I get why the NBA is doing it, but if we are going to be creative because of COVID, we should go straight up one through 20 and let the bottom four play in. This is the year particularly particularly to do it since the 10 games cut parentheses from the normal 82 game schedule were in conference. So basically 10 in conference games were cut to accommodate the 72 game season. So what Mark Cuban is saying is it should have been, let's just go straight one through 20, the bottom four play in for further seeds. What is that? 15, 16, uh, 13, 14, 15, and 16, I guess. Yeah. Um, But so he also said the worst part of this approach is that it doubles the stress of the compressed schedule rather than playing for a playoff spot and being able to rest players as the standings become clear. Teams have to approach every game as a playoff game to either get into or stay in the top six since the consequences, as Lucas said, are enormous. So players are playing more games and more minutes in fewer days. In hindsight, this approach was an enormous mistake. So, like I said at the beginning of all this, the NBA Board of Governors, which includes Mark Cuban, voted unanimously for this play-in structure. And really, I don't blame Luca for his comments as a player, but Mark Cuban as someone who had a voice and really a hand in making this playing tournament possible, being a part of the board of governors since he's an NBA owner and really one of the the biggest owners in, in all of sports and having that that power, this really, to me, just sounds like sour grapes because Dallas is in the seventh seed right now when they were expecting to be much better, especially with Chris Porzingis supposedly supposed to supposed to be coming back healthy at the start of the season, which he didn't, which obviously derailed their entire season. So I, I, I'm i not really buying what what Mark Cuban's selling with this, but, but I understand Luca's frustrations. Well, I guess, you know, I, I, if he's saying he made a mistake in hindsight, I guess I understand, like, hey, I thought this would be a good idea, and it's – it's really not. Well, and um, he's also making the argument of, of the compressed schedule and, and squeezing in as many games as possible for, for the COVID reasonings. Yeah, so it's like, you know, and they voted unanimously, so who knows what kind of, like, you know, obviously they were tallying votes before they took the official vote, so. Yeah. Who, who, who knows? Um, it, it is good, though, that I think that he's speaking out, even if he did think he made a mistake, just because hopefully they fix it. You know, if he's if he if his voice carries a lot of weight, the league, if he's saying, listen, we voted unanimously, but I think we fucked up. I don't necessarily think it's because they're the seventh seed, but the seventh seed may have be what brought like the awareness of, holy shit, I could like lose two in a row and be out of the playoffs. Yeah. You know, so maybe he wasn't thinking, you know, maybe he wasn't thinking that his team was going to be a seven or eight seed. No, he um, for sure wasn't, Tyler. Nobody was expecting the Mavs to be in this position this t- like six months ago when the NBA offseason started. They they were no, expecting but, to be a real contender in the Western Conference. No, yeah, which I mean, if, if you're Mark Cuban, you have to have better aspirations than the seven or eight seed, you know, like. <laughs> 
that's just the competitive spirit. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, like, I'm not too bugged out by it, it, the fact that he said he made a mistake. Um, I feel like that clears, you know, clears them a little bit. Uh, but obviously the seventh seed and, and looking down the barrel of that scenario is is what is kind of put it at the forefront for him. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's really, I think, what, what makes it sound like sour grapes to me uh, with, with his comments about the playing games. So it's, I mean, listen, this is now year two of the playing tournament. I'm I'm very interested to see what the future holds for it and how the NBA playoff structure changes well, uh, and evolves because clearly this is something that the NBA is focused on and really it's been the talk for for the last few years even before the playing tournament was implemented because of COVID reasons. Yeah, so last year they didn't have the 7-10 game though, did they? No, it was just a playing game between the eight and nine seed. Yeah, so this is kind of the inaugural season for this format. Yeah, so it and is, I, I guess, I, a different format, but it's still essentially the same yeah, thing. Yeah, playing game. Yep. Yeah, as an eight seed, you don't have a lock. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, uh, it's basically like a wild card in, in baseball or in football. You know, I liked it better, you know, because the playing scenario happened if the – like if the eighth if the eighth seed was like four games ahead of the ninth seed, there was no playing game. Right, exactly. Like, so this is just automatic, like, no matter what. Seven like and eight pre, play each other, and then nine and ten play each other. Because pre-COVID, it was just the the nine and ten seeds for the West were so good for like years in a row there. Oh yeah, and, and it seemed as if every year a lower seed, a six, seven, eight or something like that had an injured star, you know, like there's at least one team out of the field of eight. Well, look at the like Lakers really, this year. There really is, isn't they're... their team, you know? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, not, not like in the regular season. I mean, like I'm trying to think of a good example, but um, a playoff team coming in that lost their superstar in the regular season. So they're really not that same team that won all those games. Yeah. You know, where it's like an easy, it's an easy out. It seems to happen every year. So, like, there was some logic between trying to stretch the field a little bit. Well, and also um, you had teams in the East. You also had teams in the East that were under 500 making the playoffs. Yeah, and that's where I think the conversation was more on, like, should we just take the top 16 and, and get rid of, like, conferences? And that's what Mark Cuban was saying they should have done for the playing tournament this year was make it just straight yeah. 1 through 20 in the NBA, let and the I, bottom four play in. It would do, it'd be dope if the NBA at some, at some point in time ditched uh, conferences. I think you know, that's where I, we're heading. I think it would be cool, um, you know, like, for the All-Star game, um, so you just be taking the top 24 players as a matter what conference for the playoffs, you'd be taking top 16 teams, you know, I do, I do like, there are aspects of conference. I like, because it's like a competitive, like this is old Western conference finals. Yeah. Baby, and the rivalries you know, like, are there. And yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So you do lose a little bit of that, but I think that you would move past that pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, and I think it would also develop new rivalries. Yeah, and kids would, uh, I think, you know, the young, the new the new fans is kind of, you know, what they're always looking for, and they would enjoy seeing the best teams out there and the best players out there and yada, yada, yada. 
Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and I I just I definitely think that now that this playing tournament has been implemented, whether it was for the bubble or or this iteration of it, where the the seven eight and the nine ten play each other and they they duke it out from there for for seven and eight and all of that, I'm just I'm convinced that the the playoff structure is is going to continue evo- continue to evolve in the NBA. Yeah, and that's why the NBA is the best league in the, in the world. Uh, they're the most progressive league. They're always looking to make their game better, and you know this is another way they can do it. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, the second topic here in NBA three and the key is the Brooklyn Nets and some injury news out of Brooklyn. It, it was announced that James Harden had a setback in his rehab from his hamstring injury, and his return to game action could come closer to the start of the playoffs or even after the playoffs started. And also Kevin Durant had just returned last week from missing almost two months, and and then he gets a thigh contusion after bumping legs with Trevor Ariza on, on a drive to the basket over the weekend. And so the Nets, they're going to be cautious about that as well with KD. You never know what mood Kyrie is going to be in. And and so as a result of that, since the James Harden trade went down, the Nets, they've only played seven games where all three of their stars have been out there. And oh, by the way, let's also just take a minute to appreciate LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Tyler, after his return. Uh, announcing he was going to retire after uh, a heart condition. I remember he had been diagnosed with something early on in his career. Once he had announced why he was retiring, it kind of jogged my memory uh, that he had some issues with his heart early on in his career. Um, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge, one of the best power forwards of this generation, just automatic from the mid-range. I mean – that turnaround jumper he had from from the mid range, it's it's a staple, I think, for for this generation. Uh, so so real quickly, just wanted to appreciate Lamarcus Aldridge, Tyler. I don't know if you had anything. To yeah, say about no, L is the man. He was always a classy guy. Um, you know, he he's not a guy that's gonna uh, be super outspoken or nothing. Yeah, you got Seems to ex- like a pre- you got to experience him a lot up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, pretty, I, yeah, I remember when he came in, uh, skinny ass kid, and um, he had a great career. It's too bad that it had to end like this, uh, but he's doing the smart thing, I think. And yeah, when you have a when you have a health scare of that kind of magnitude, you know, it, it puts different things into perspective. For sure. Uh, which it sounds like he had an incident and it scared him. Yeah, and so uh, he he played. I believe it was the game against the Lakers with an irregular heartbeat, and he had to go to the hospital that night. And that's kind of what triggered everything. Yeah, and you know, irregular heartbeats. Uh, it's no joke, man. They they're you know you're you're much more susceptible to the things like stroke and heart attack, among other things. You know, so um, he's doing he's doing the right thing, and and it's too bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, but no, like like I was saying, the the Nets they've only played seven games with realistically their full team, and 
and realistically they haven't played a game where I or they've only played a small amount of games where they've had Blake Griffin, James Harden, Kyrie Irving and KD all out there together uh since the Blake Griffin trade went down. So second most starting fives in the N- NBA. Oh, in terms of in terms of starting five combinations. Yep. Wow. Only the only the Houston Rockets have had more um starting fives. And that makes sense for for where That's bad. Like yeah. Houston makes sense. Like obviously they're doing that. Yeah, exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It makes sense for Houston, yeah. it's bad for Brooklyn. Yeah, it it is. It's bad in the sense that you know, you want your guys out on there out on so, the court, but yeah, keep going. Well, no, so that's that's what I wanted to ask you is are the Nets going to have enough time in the regular season and and really the playoffs to get their on-court chemistry together to to make a run because to me Tyler it looks like I'm starting to think that the Nets might be like the Clippers last year where they didn't have enough time on the court together to get all the pieces of the puzzle in the right place like it was very yeah, evident bro. it was very evident last year that the reason that the Clippers one of the reasons the Clippers lost was chemistry issues and the fact that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George didn't play enough on the court together this is I think the exact scenario of what's happening in Brooklyn it's like KD Kyrie and James Harden they all want the ball in their hands and yes they've done a great job when they are out there of distributing and and solidifying their roles of what each guy is gonna do but they also just really just need to play together and 14 games left in the regular season going into the playoffs. Like the playoffs are a whole different beast. And I know that KD and Kyrie are champions and James Harden's been through the trenches in the playoffs. He's been to an NBA finals early in his career, but it's like the playoffs are a whole different beast. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm very concerned about chemistry issues in Brooklyn right now. Yeah, so first of all, you want to have, like, your rotation. Like, you want to have that thing tight by the time you get to the playoffs. So, you know, and that's where, like, you know, like, you can't be experimenting in the playoffs. You know, you you got to know what right. you do. And that's kind of what they're losing out on is getting those kind of things. Well, and that's now, what the Clippers would, did. They were experimenting uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, the Clippers – I'm going to put them in a different boat just because a they're the Clippers. So there's just a, <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you that. There's an added like thing in the back of their head when they have that uniform on. That they're gonna <laughs> blow it. That's just what it is. I mean, it's sad. I like the Clippers, but they just have that aura. A, they have a different pressure than everybody else. You know well, we'll, I mean? we'll, like, we'll talk about the Clippers, Tyler. We'll, we'll talk about the Clippers. Cause that's, that's the third yeah, topic. Okay, and, three so, in the key. And, they, and they also had COVID last year. So, I'll give uh, as much as I'll hate on the Clippers, I'll also throw them that bone. But with this this team right here, uh, I do like the fact that I think Steve Nash is trying to figure it out. Similar to the Buccaneers last year or this year, where they, you know, every single game, every single week, they kind of got a little better. They figured out, or maybe not better, but they figured out what they can do, what they can't do. Um, you know, the it, it kind of kept pushing inches at a time. That's more what I think the Nets are, just because I do believe that Kyrie, Harden, AKD, and I mean, and you can even throw Blake Griffin in there. I think their mentals 
and their uh, and their attitudes are all on the same page and they're which is a good start they're just extremely good teammates so you know throwing them out on the court you're just gonna have so much talent that i don't know if the chemistry is really gonna bug out but what it where the chemistry you're taking your l's is like i said earlier the rotation it's like okay so who's coming off the floor first um who you know are we playing jeff green and in the closing seconds are we are we playing with blake griffin uh are we playing a bolt and no joe harris well you know what i mean like those are the kind of scenarios where like he doesn't have that that concrete answer right now but they have enough talent to where i don't know if it's gonna matter like i'm still picking them to come out of the east um it's more it's less about them and more so about philadelphia and milwaukee's defensive abilities you know, if that chemistry and rotation isn't on point, or if you're missing one of those big guns, those teams are very, very capable defensive teams. Right. Like James, those are, James Harden being out potentially until after the playoffs start, that's that's concerning to me. Yeah, and hamstrings, uh, I mean, suck. I don't know if you've ever dealt with, like, a hamstring. but I haven't. They're, they're touchy. It's like a rolled ankle. It's like once you, once you like, pull that hamstring – I mean, really, it's such a long time before there's not that scare of it just being re-injured and re-injured. They're like touchy is really the only word I can describe. It's it's weird, um, and so that's not a good you know that's not a good sign. But at, at the end of the day, if he gets out on the floor, if they got those big guns out there, this team is going to be extremely hard to beat off of just pure talent. You know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, just going back to to the role players real quick, and it's it's kind of funny you brought that up, and uh, you can kind of make a similar point about the Lakers' role players, and and we'll get into that in the Lake Show Lowdown with with AD returning in a little bit. But these role players on on these teams, it's when, and th- this goes in general in the NBA, it's like when a big star goes down on a team, everyone's role gets elevated, and and they're expected to do more. But then when that yep. that that big time star comes back and everybody reverts back to the role that they are supposed to be or what they were expecting to be, it's how does everybody adapt to that? And that's that's what I think is gonna be yeah. an interesting aspect and an interesting wrinkle in the Brooklyn Nets and also the Lakers runs yeah. like potential runs to the championship. Yeah, no, for sure. And that, you know, So, like, the good out of that is that you get to see what, you know, your guys a little more. You get to see them on the court a little more, see what they can do. Yeah, and it gives them the the chance. Well, it gives them the chance to see what they can do when when the lights are brightest as well. Yeah, so, like, I do think that Steve Nash has, like, gained some knowledge and gained some, like, good stuff by having all these different lineups and all these different players play. I think he's experimenting, seeing what he can do. Uh, but you really do want to have that locked in by game time. And they definitely need two of those big guns, the Kyrie, KD, and Harden. They need two of those guys on the court to to win the East, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I They definitely need at least two of the three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one is just is you, you're going down a huge, huge notch. But if you got any combination of those two guys, you're going to have you're going to have a shot to win the East. Yeah. And if all three are out there, I think they got to be the favorite. Um, 
even without you know the time together yeah it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see see how it all plays out so we we just have to wait and see them them all being on the same page is the scary thing i mean these guys are ready to play with each other they want to play with each other they're both they're all three sacrificing they all know where to go um that's a scary thing for and us that's, NBA. That's a really big key, especially in today's NBA, is when all your stars are on the same page and it and the egos don't come into play. <laughs> yeah, because I mean the easy thing to not this team early on was like, oh well, there's only one basketball. Uh, I mean, I really, said it tonight. That's not really the case anymore. You know, like I, I think that one basketball is fine because they're all on the same page as far as like one night you're going to have it one night I'm going to have it one night, you know, KD is going to have it, you know, it, at the, at the end of the game situation, Steve Nash is going to have multiple options. He can go with hot hand. He can use the hot hand as the, you know, the distraction and then, you know, hit KD. It's like they're, they are lethal offensively. Yeah. So I compared the Brooklyn Nets to the Clippers of last year and that brings us to our final topic for NBA 3 in the Key tonight, the Clippers of this year. And so far recently, the, the Clippers, they've won nine out of ten of their last uh, – nine games out of their last ten games, excuse me. Uh, but news came out yesterday that Kawhi Leonard is going to be out for a week with a sore foot that the team is going to be cautious with. Obviously, we know – uh, Kawhi Leonard is one of the most cautious players in the NBA when it comes to injuries, so he's going to be taking a week off. Uh, but the month of April has been extremely kind to none other than Paul George. Uh, in the month of April, he's averaging 29.2 points per game, 6.9 rebounds per game, and 5.2 assists per game. They... The Clippers, they traded for Rajon Rondo at the trade deadline. They are 8-1 and one since adding Rondo, and currently they are playing the Memphis Grizzlies, who had Jaron Jackson Jr. return tonight to the starting lineup. Uh, I think he started, at least. Let me check the box score. Uh, no, he did not start. He came off the bench. Excuse me, I misspoke. Uh, but he made a season debut after missing time with a knee injury. And currently the Clippers are down 10. So uh, their six-game win streak might come to an end tonight. Um, but like I was saying, they're 8-1 and one since uh, adding Rondo at the trade deadline. Nine out of their last 10. Six-game win streak. Paul George is averaging almost 30 points a game in the month of April. But Tyler, you've already said it once on this episode, so I will say it again. It's the Clippers. So I just want to see all of this in the playoffs. It's great that that all of this is happening for the Clippers. They look good. They look honestly like a completely different team from last year. Um, it's It's been a complete, I think, rejuvenation. They've dealt with some injuries of their own. Um, but, I mean, I just want to see this all pay off in the playoffs. So, Tyler, where, where do you think the Clippers stand in the Western Conference playoff picture? Uh, yeah, so, you know, not only do they have to win, they have to get over the Clipper hill. You know, like, they <laughs> have an extra – they have, like, an extra hump to get over. They got, you know, 
there's like one other thing with that franchise. Uh, but first of all, I got to shout out Doc Rivers because I, I think that he's got to be not Doc Rivers. You mean Ty Lue. I was about Ty to say Lube. Doc yeah. Rivers. I was no. like, wait, 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 wait. Why are no. we shouting out he's Doc in, Rivers? He's in, Phil- he's in Philadelphia. I mean, he's doing a hell of a job in Philly. Yeah, but- yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I'm just thinking Clippers. That's that's why Doc Rivers. And as soon as I said it, I knew I was wrong. Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. You know, I think he does. that, you know, you know, I think that the coach, when you have essentially the same team, you know, they didn't have, they didn't have a lot of, uh, a roster uh, turnover. They lost Montrez. They got Ibaka. They lost Lou Will. They got Rondo. Pretty, you know. I think talent wise, they're about a flush is what they were. Yeah. So I they think lost obviously Trez. some. Ad- oh yeah. I think obviously Ibaka. some adjustments have been made to where uh, it's helped them out. And then with with Paul George, you know, he's an elite player. Like we all know what Paul George is capable of. I mean, this dude is a, right. We just need to see a, it in prime time now. A bona fide stud, and what I think is like when those kind of people fail, you know, maybe fail a year or two, or you know, T Mac can get out of the first round. It's like only so long until like that's like such huge motivation, you know. And I think that Paul George really took a different approach this season. Um, and I think he's got one thing in mind, and he's not going to feel good until they get to that Western Conference Finals or or NBA Finals. You know, that's how good this team has that kind of talent. They'd be the first Clippers um, to do it. That's the thing, yeah. So they just they have the extra hill that no other team has to get over on top of the schedule that's in front of them. Uh, but this team does feel much different than the team before. And they do pose a big threat. I mean, Paul George and, and Kawhi are, are, you know, that's about as good of a duo as you're going to get. You know, maybe L.A. and Brooklyn have better, uh, but that's about it. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it if it works out the way um, I think it's on track to right now, the, the Clippers and Lakers could potentially play in the second round of the playoffs. Which would be incredibly unfortunate for the Clippers. Uh, <laughs> like, I would love to see them get a chance to meet the, meet the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Now, I know they don't give a shit because, you know, you got to go through them either way. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this team looks, I think, has a much better chance at, at getting to Western Conference Finals um, than, than years past. This is, you know, got to be – one of the best, if not the best Clipper team ever, uh, especially when you consider like the, the personnel and how versatile they are defensively, offensively. Rondo was a huge pickup to get that leadership. And, and you know, Rondo can match up with guys that are twice as good as him. You know what I'm saying? Like Rondo and Chris Paul, you better believe they match up. That's going to be a fiery competition. Uh can you imagine you know, a Suns Clippers first round matchup? And, and it's like, or a, a, you know, a Western Conference Finals potentially. It's like Rondo's not afraid of John Morant or Mike Conley or Rondo's not afraid Dennis. of anybody. That's what I'm saying. So it's like he he seems like he's like this this solid basketball player, but when it comes to the seven game series playoff, Rondo is a thing, and he is as good as anybody. So that was a legitimate uh, big-time pickup for the Clips. It really helps out their chances. I'm not going to say that they're going to beat the Lakers. 
because I do think the Lakers are going to make it out of the West. Uh, but fuck, it's going to be a good series. Uh, you know, I hope that they don't, uh, especially Paul George. I'm rooting for Paul George. Like if he can play well and they go out, that's one thing. But you do not want Paul George to go out there and stink it up and they lose in the second round. That would just be – that would be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it's like don't get me wrong. Like I know – where Paul George stands as as an NBA player and and the talent that he has but it's like we just we're just waiting to see we're waiting to see it when it counts and then as far as as far as Rondo goes it's like I've been really impressed with that decision by the Clippers to to go after him and give up a guy like Lou Williams who was kind of the the face of the organization uh for the period of time without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and, well, and, and he's he's like the, the he was their longest tenured player, right? And he was really the leader of that locker room, and so I mean, getting a player like Rondo, I was expecting regular season Rondo uh, to show up for the Clippers and and really not see any sort of impact from Rondo till the playoffs. But he he's making an impact, and and he's making <laughs> he that impact known now. He knows what that Clipper that Clipper Hill is looking like to get over. Um, He's got, he's locked in. That was such, that's one of those rare trades. It just was so good for both sides. Yeah, definitely. But all right, let's, uh, let's go across the hall now to the Lake show lowdown and, and talk about what's going on with the Lakers. They are currently fifth in the Western conference. They're, they're sitting on a record of 35 and 23. They are seven and 10 now since LeBron went down. Since we last recorded, the Lakers are one and two, dropping a game against the hated Celtics, even though it took the Celtics having to bring their starters in after the end of the Lakers bench was able to mount a double-digit comeback. Uh, so that was kind of a, a bittersweet moment for, for Lakers Twitter. It was like it kind of made the night all worth it seeing Boston fans squirm as, as the end of the Lakers bench mounted that comeback and had to bring their starters back in. Um, and then... The, the Lakers, they split two games against the Utah Jazz, winning the game on Saturday, but the Jazz were without Donovan Mitchell, who had a pretty scary ankle injury. Uh, luckily, it wasn't uh, too severe, and, and hopefully he can be back in time for the playoffs, but I know they'll be cautious with that in Utah. But the Jazz were also without Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, and Derek Favors on Saturday. The Lakers ended up winning by 12. And then Rudy Gobert and Mike Connolly made their return on Monday. And so the Lakers lost by 14. But that doesn't matter anymore because Tyler, guess what? AD's back. I was going to say AD is on the way. Yeah. And, and so is LeBron. So after, after Monday... Uh, after Monday's loss, uh, Frank Vogel said that AD was days away and, and LeBron is now doing light work on the court as part of his recovery. Uh, Frank Vogel said the biggest thing with Anthony Davis right now is his conditioning. And Tyler, I called it last week on the show. I, I, yep. I, I just read between all the lines. No, that's I good was, map work by you. You you kind of read the map. You you looked at it from the same perspective they did. Like, yeah, hey, and this is a good this is a good time. You know, might as well not push it on the road trip. Like, well, that's no. He, he's coming back for this road trip. 
oh to go to dallas yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. or what well, yeah sorry i've i'm mixing whatever you said last week i know <laughs> no, you nailed it i know you nailed it i i i don't necessarily remember your exact words so. no but basically oh, I, said, I wasn't paying attention they had said that he was probably about a week away and i was like and eh, you know what i don't think he's gonna play against utah because i feel like that was just too soon but i was yeah. like he'll probably be back against hopefully one of those dallas games because the, the lakers do have to play dallas back-to-back -back, uh two games in a row it's not a it's not a back-to-back -back days it's a it's a thursday saturday but it's it's two games in a row in dallas and, and i was like realistically that that's probably where he's gonna come back the Lakers do have two more games on the road after that. Um, but anyway, Anthony Davis, he's realistically going to be on a minutes restriction when he comes back, but I don't, I don't really care about that. I don't, I don't really see him being on the minutes restriction all that long, especially once LeBron James comes back. Um, Anthony Davis, he's, he spoke to the media for the first time today since his injury. So it's been over two months since, uh, we've really heard from Anthony Davis himself. Um, he'd missed a total of 67 days. Tyler, the Lakers offseason was 71 days. So Anthony Davis basically just got the equivalent of what the Lakers had in the offseason off to, to recover, get healthy, and he said that if everything goes according to plan pregame tomorrow – He's playing against the Dallas Mavericks, and he's a hundred percent healthy now. It's it it's it almost feels like it's perfect timing, and it, and I hate to say this, but it's like with the way the league is right now, and it almost feels like the league is decimated with injuries. But it's like a, a healthy AD coming back for the Lakers right now. It's it's almost perfect timing, and it, it seems like barbecue chicken, you know. Well, and it also like takes off some pressure for LeBron to come back. You know, if if AD comes in seamlessly, like he probably will, and he's and they get a couple wins, it's like you know, LeBron doesn't necessarily have to ever push it. I mean, LeBron never was pushing it, but uh, you know, they could get some wins with AD on the court, no Bron, and and then you know, like you said, perfect timing, get Bron back, and and we're doing the damn thing. Well, and. Like I was saying, the Lakers they're they're seven and ten just since LeBron went down, and I believe they're like eighteen and seventeen or seventeen and eighteen, like either one game over five hundred or one game under five hundred since Anthony Davis has been out. So it's like the Lakers they've done their job, and we we kind of said it last week they they've done their job staying afloat and riding the ship out while LeBron and AD were on the mend. And if you if you look at it, it's like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they've only played 23 games together. But in those 23 games, the Lakers, they're 17 and six. So it's like I feel like we're right on the cusp of the moment Lakers fans have been waiting for now that A.D. and LeBron are close to being back. Yeah, I mean, the the. The role players really did, you know, step up and handle business. Um, that's, you know, really put them in such a better spot to, to be able to stay afloat in that top four. Um, you know, it couldn't have worked out any better, honestly. The way we laid it out when these injuries happened, 
you know, these role players, all those guys stepped up and, and all of them kind of contributed a little bit here and there, had their games. And, you know, they played 500 basketball without AD and LeBron, which I think is what was is is pretty tough to do. And because they were able to do that, uh, the Lakers are looking looking good in the standings and could possibly, you know, pre- press up there, you know, in those spots, you know, top two, three uh, where they want to be. Yeah, and I mean, listen, the, the Lakers, they have 14 games left in, in the regular season. And if I'm looking at the standings right now, they're two and a half games behind Denver for the four seed. They're five games behind Clipper, behind the Clippers for the three seed. I'm not really too sure if the three seed is, is all that attainable anymore, but I definitely think the Lakers can can get back to the four seed and get home court advantage back in the playoffs, at least for the majority of it up until potentially the Western Conference Finals or even the NBA Finals, depending on how it all shakes out. But what are you looking forward to most, Tyler, in these last 14 games as the Lakers try and reacclimate AD back into the rotation and once LeBron comes back? Well, I mean, I guess it would be similar to when they were out. You know what I mean? You want to see these guys. Uh, they still are without LeBron. So there's still going to be some guys on the perimeter that need to keep their their level of play up. Uh, Anthony Davis, you know, like you said, it's it's going to be pretty easy for them to get him back. He probably will have some minutes restrictions those first couple games, but it won't be long. He's he's a, he's a pro. He's going to get in shape. Um so really, I mean, they don't need to like they don't need to dominate from here on out. All they can do is got to play winning basketball. You win more games than you lose. I think that the Lakers just need to come into the playoffs healthy, and, and it's going to be all good. You know, if LeBron and AD are on the court when you tip off playoff basketball, it's going to be fine. If you don't lose any other pieces, you know, really, it's just health and having the bodies out there. They don't have to do so much in the win column because. They're built to make playoff runs wherever they are. Um, so really, yeah, I mean, I guess just, just staying above that 500 mark for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think what I'm most excited to see is since the addition of Andre Drummond, the whole purpose of getting him was to pair him alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So once Le- once AD comes back, obviously it'll be good to see how – AD and AD, AD squared, uh, Drummond and, and Anthony Davis, how they paired together in the front court um, initially without LeBron. And then once LeBron comes back, seeing how the three of them all work together on the court, it's like Drummond's never really gotten to experience that kind of play, that kind of environment and atmosphere. It's like, I think it's going to be a weight lifted off of Andre Drummond's shoulders once LeBron oh, James. It's going to be, yeah, it's once, going to be easy. Once LeBron James and Anthony Davis come back, I mean, Drummond's always been the first option wherever he's been, in, whether it was Detroit or Cleveland. So his his job's going to be so much easier, and it's it's I feel like going to allow him to play so much more free and, and really playing with guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that that elevates your play. Yeah, it's good. I mean, Drummond's got one of the best jobs in the league. You know, he, he's going to get garbage points on offense. 
and he's an elite defensive, you know, center. He's a good rim protector. He's an elite rebounder. And, uh, and AD has played with centers well. You know, he played well with Dwight last year, who's kind of a blockhead. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's in the sense that, like, it's not like some stretch five. You know? Right. Andre no, no, Drummond no. He knows not... how to play with, like, a back-to-the-basket big. He played with Boogie, you know, and they had and they had success in New Orleans, that little run they had. So, you know, I know Anthony Davis can play with the center. He makes people play better. And now Andre Drummond is not even a top three option probably on offense. Could you imagine a defensive lineup of Dennis Schroeder, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis, and Andre Drummond? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have all those guys. That's where the Kuz Kuz is tough. Well, I'm I'm talking about like let's say some – like a Denver puts out yeah, Nikola Jokic, Gore, uh, Aaron Gordon, um, Michael Porter Jr. all out there at the same yeah. time. No, You're gonna have to I have mean, a big lineup like that. Yeah, no, no doubt they're they're versatile on defense. You know, guys like KCP uh, is a good defensive guard. Wes Matthews. Uh, uh, I I don't know about Wes Matthews. He's I'm been playing not, well lately, Tyler. He he's I'm, been playing I'm still better. Not, I still don't think he's going to be – he's nothing too hey, much to mention. That's why they got Ben McElmore. I mean, listen, no, they got to have somebody making more, threes. I'm much more excited to see him him out there uh, in the playoffs more so than Wesley Matthews. But, you know, with Kuz, like, man, I just I, – yeah, I just don't know. I, I would – he's always got to be – to me, he's just got to be the first – guy off the bench no i'm not Um, saying that's a starting lineup to put out there but i'm saying like no i know what you're saying it's a defensive it could be on the floor um and that's what you know that's what guys like lebron and ad and these guys can play multiple positions do for you yeah any any i mean any lineup that's got ant davis at the four and lebron's on the court it's just like if you've got a center and a point guard with lebron and ad as well uh, I think that's that's where, you know, the Lakers' strengths. No one's defensive strengths match up with the Lakers' offensive strengths. Like most of the good defensive teams in the league have great perimeter defense, like the Clippers. Yeah, you know, it's like the Clippers have like Paul George and Kawhi are great. They're both great. They're both as good a matchup for LeBron as anybody. But like, there's no AD or Andre Drummond defense really. Right. That's where that's where the league is really in trouble. Like. Right, I'm Davis sorry. Play, he, Davis he, playing the four is just unreal. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sergi Baca, Ivica Zubac, and Patrick Patterson aren't guarding AD and Andre Drummond as well as LeBron James. Like, they're definitely not guarding Anthony Davis. You know, it's yeah. just like that's that's for sure. You know, and it's like if the Lakers want to just feed Andre Drummond, I think that's a bad move. You know, like even if Andre Drummond has a good like matchup. On, on offense, I don't think you feed Andre Drummond. No, he's, he's not the opportunistic points. No, exactly. And that's that's what I was talking about. But he allows he allows Anthony Davis to play the four because he's a rim, you know, protector, rebounder. And that's where Anthony Davis really is elite. Right. And that's that's what I was saying where Andre Drummond isn't your number one option anymore. He's he's kind of just gonna get the cleanup points around the basket kind of stuff. You might run a couple options here and there for him, maybe a no, pick you, and roll here and there, but yeah, his, and his job is going, made so much know. easier. 
12 and 12. You know, like if he if he rolls out there in the playoffs and averages 12 and 12, the Lakers are good. You know, that's a that's a, that's elite. Yeah, give me know, another, give Lakers. me one or two blocks a game with that, and I'm I'm good. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he's going to affect shots regardless. So it's like, it's it's looking good for the Lakers. They're they're coming into their own. They have they've got a lot of versatility on offense and defense. Um, you know, they're they're the favorites. You know, I do I do think the Nets pose a serious threat. I think the Nets have the biggest threat um, for the for the pure sake of outscoring one. Um, but that, that's about it. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it's it's all coming together right at the perfect time for the Lakers. They got they got 14 games left. AD should be back tomorrow against the Mavericks, if not tomorrow. Uh, worst case, something right before game time, he they just decide he doesn't play. He should be back Saturday, and then I expect LeBron James to to come back and play at least maybe seven to ten. Uh, regular season games left, so I mean, there's 14 left. Uh, I ex- I expect LeBron to to play in at least seven to ten of those games, somewhere somewhere in that range, probably closer to seven, just given the timing. Um, but we'll yeah. we'll see where where he's at with his recovery. But I'm excited for AD to come back, no doubt. Yeah, and you know, really, the only thing that stands in the Lakers' way is the Lakers. They they just got to be, if they're healthy and they're out there, it's it's looking good. Yep. But all right, uh let's uh let's hit the diamond before we get out of here. Here we go. Clayton Kershaw pitches a no hitter, a career high, fifteen strikeouts. He's a new all-time hit king in major league history, number two, five, eight, my oh my line to left field, moment after moment, memory after memory. The Dodgers have done it again. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Muncy hits this ball to deep right field. Forget about it. Muncy with a splash hit. Veritek and A-Rod going at it. Swing and a drive. Absolute madness. It's going to take forever to get this thing straightened out. And strike three. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Well, I don't know about any of you out there, or Tyler, I don't know about you, but the most anticipated series of the season so far took place over the weekend, and it did not disappoint. The Los Angeles Dodgers went down south to take on the San Diego Padres in San Diego, and the Dodgers ended up taking two out of three games. The Dodgers had their best guys going against the Padres with Walker Buehler going on Friday. He gave up only two runs in six innings of work. Clayton Kershaw then got the ball on Saturday. He went six scoreless innings, striking out eight in a two-to-nothing shutout for the boys in blue. And then newcomer Trevor Bauer gave up one run in six innings of work and he struck out seven, but the bullpen gave up the lead for Bauer uh, and the Dodgers after Bauer came out and lost the game. Uh, so the Dodgers, they only took two out of three. 
from the Padres uh, on Friday and Saturday. But, Tyler, the real fireworks, those happened in the first two games. Uh, First with game one on Friday night going into the 12th inning. I know it was late, Tyler. I don't know if you happened to see this. Did you did you see what happened with with the Padres and the Dodgers uh, Friday night? I, I didn't make it. Huh. Well, it's okay. It was it was a late one. The game went almost <laughs> five hours, Tyler. God damn. Yeah. So, in the twelfth inning, um, well, excuse me. The game went twelve innings, uh, but in the tenth inning, Dodgers reliever Dennis Santana hit Padres shortstop Jorge Mateo with a pitch. He kind of kind of got hit on the hip, uh, not really the rib area. It was more the hip, uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, but Mateo had c- come into pinch hit in extra innings. Uh, and obviously, the, the Padres and the Dodgers, at least in Padres fans' minds, it's, it's a rivalry. Uh, Dodgers fans, we don't really consider it a rivalry. We kind of... Don't even really bother with the Padres. Uh, the Giants are really our rival. The the Padres, they're kind of more the ugly stepchild in the in the California rivalries. Um, but the Padres took some exception to uh, getting hit, and obviously, uh, it was it's pretty heated. I, I think between the players, um, Trevor Bauer, uh, even before he was on the Dodgers, he had words for Manny Machado. Um, and this this dates back a couple of years. Uh, so there's there's been some blood between or bad blood between the Dodgers and Padres recently. So tensions kind of boiled over. Obviously, it was a long game. Uh, like I said, almost five hours. Um, and so tensions kind of flared up when Dennis Santana hit Jorge Mateo. And then in game two of the series on Sunday, uh, Jerickson Profar of the San Diego Padres swung and was supposedly struck out by Clayton Kershaw, but Profar hit Dodgers catcher Andre Barnes's wrist um, basically on the swing, but when it happened, the ball was already in Barnes's glove, and if you want to see the breakdown of this, Tyler, I suggest you go to uh, John Boy. He's a hell of an account. Uh, for for baseball breakdowns and, and videos, he always does all the benches clearing brawls and any crazy play. He'll, he'll always break it down, and he he does a really good job. He's really good at lip reading too. Um, so he he had a great breakdown of this whole scenario. Um, but Barnes was called for catcher's interference because that's usually the call uh, when a batter hits the glove of the catcher while he's swinging. But it kind of was iffy because the ball was already in the glove. Like I was saying, go watch the breakdown of John Boy uh, that John Boy did. But Kershaw was pissed that Jerickson Profar basically hit Austin Barnes's wrist with his with the bat. And you could clearly see uh, Kershaw having words with both the umpires and Jerickson Profar from across the diamond. He was yelling, that's a bullshit swing. He, he was getting very animated. And the benches cleared once again. Uh, it wasn't as dramatic as the night before, but you could you could definitely tell tensions uh, were still pretty high. And then on Sunday, Trevor Bauer had some animated moments after getting a couple strikeouts. 
uh, but nothing nothing really happened on Sunday. But the the first series between the Dodgers and Padres, it lived up to the hype. Everybody was saying after Friday night's game that listen, these teams got to play 19 more times, blah blah blah. Like it, it's going to be a fun season, and and wouldn't you know it, coming up this weekend, the Dodgers and Padres play once again. Uh, starting tomorrow, you got Walker Buehler going tomorrow for the Dodgers, then Kershaw on Friday, Trevor Bauer again on Saturday, and then Dustin May closes it out on Sunday. So we'll we'll see if there are any more fireworks that, that spark off this weekend between the Dodgers and Padres. Um, but also, real quick, last week, uh, this earlier this week, the, the Dodgers and Mariners, they played two games in Seattle uh, Monday and then yesterday uh, on 420. Tyler, did you end up making it to the game yesterday? No, man, it was tough. Like, uh, <laughs> one th- 1.30 on a Tuesday is, is, is not an easy sell for people. Especially for a baseball game. Yeah. It, it's and so it being weird. on 420. The thing that sucked was it was just like so nice outside. Like it would have been such a dope game to go to. Yeah, it was a perfect day for a baseball game. Which rarely happens in this state. That's why the baseball uh, the roofs the roofs were open, you know? Yeah, it was it was perfect. But um anyway, on Monday the Mariners ended up beating the Dodgers. Uh and then the Dodgers ended up winning yesterday on Monday. Uh, Jose Marmalejos uh, hit a two-run home run for the Mariners, and then rookie Taylor Trammell hit a home run and an RBI double for the M's as well. Corey Seager did hit a home run against his brother Kyle's team, uh, but like I said, the Mariners did win on Monday 4-3. to three. But so far, Corey Seager has bragging rights over his brother uh, in the games that they've played against each other this season by having one home run and, and Kyle does not. So yeah, that's a, do- that's a dope little <laughs> in- inner team rivalry right there. Yeah. It's, I love that connection. I always love seeing brothers play against each other. Yeah. And then yesterday, uh, Julio Urias had a career high 11 strikeouts yesterday in a one to nothing victory against the Mariners. Corey Seager, once again, gave the Dodgers the early advantage, bringing in the only run for the boys in blue with a single in the third inning. But, Tyler, there was history made yesterday between the Dodgers and the Mariners. So it's always crazy in baseball. Yeah. No, listen, baseball is one of the only sports where that you have a chance of seeing something you've never seen before at any given moment during the game. But, Yesterday, Tyler, like I said, Julio Arias, he struck out 11. The score was one to nothing. The history is there were only three total base hits in this game between both teams, two singles and a double. The four combined total bases are the fewest in an interleague game all time. So there you have it. History was made. between that's the Dodgers and Mar- Mariners. That's such a Mariner thing to be a part of. <laughs> the least that amount like, of total that, bases in a game. That just makes so much sense. Or an interleague Mariners. game, excuse me. 
And they're like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, when I see, I don't even like react now when I see one nothing scores. You know what I mean? I'm just like, it's like, yeah, I mean, Felix oh. Hernandez, Felix Hernandez's career was ruined off these kind of games. <laughs> it's just awful. That's what the Mariners do. Just no run support. Yeah. No, listen, I mean, it's it's never a good thing when you're making this kind of history. And that, that honestly goes for the Dodgers' sake, too, because, I mean, they're they're supposed to have this high-powered offense, and when you got your pitcher getting 11 strikeouts, and Julio Urias, I'm so proud of him for getting 11 strikeouts. He's he's had a great uh, career, and I'm finally glad to see him getting a chance in the starting rotation. But, I mean, one run for the Dodgers, that's that's not what it's supposed to be. No, no, that's I mean, seeing a one nothing score in pro sports is just so crazy. Yeah, my God, that's not what you want. And, and the Mariners are good this year, or I mean, the Mariners have had a good start this year, which typically they do have a good start. Um, yeah, it usually starts out well, but it it kind of fizzles I think they out. Got t- I think they got ten wins already. I'm I'm literally bringing up the standings as we speak. They have eleven wins. They are a half 11. game. Out of the AL West lead, are they eleven and six? Eleven and seven. Yeah, God, I always baseball plays so many games. It's so hundred and sixty-two like of those bad boys. It's like they were seven and two yesterday, and now somehow <laughs> they've now somehow they've played fourteen more games. <laughs> but all right, um, yeah, like I said, Dodgers. I think pot- I think I did try to lift the Mariners' curse though, and I predicted. 21 playoffs would be when their streak ends well let's see if you going back up to the pacific northwest changes their luck a little bit if anybody's luck it's going to change is the dodgers because me when oh, I don't you LA, don't you bring the don't the, 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 the dodgers yep we're the, the defending champs we're the run. defending champs <laughs> run for the ages <laughs> while i was there eight straight division titles what a run eight eight straight division titles two world series appearances three world series appearances three world series appearances one win it's pretty fucking good yes it is but uh also i we haven't really talked about it but uh we got tyler a little bit of a new connection so he sounds better so hopefully that's that's been a nice surprise for the listeners we we finally got that situation figured out a bit and and i'm not not on my flip phone anymore no you're not on not on the on the bat phone i miss the bat phones (laughs) but all right tyler let's uh let's get out of here you got any shout outs before before we uh say goodbye to these guys yeah i'm gonna um you know i'm a big gonzaga basketball fan uh, being from Washington State, and you know, I've got to watch them kind of do their full run from Cinderella to kind of powerhouse, and they added another kind of another notch on their belt, getting Chet Holmgren, the number one recruit uh, in the country, and also, you know, this is obviously their 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 best recruit of all time. Yeah, so easily. they they got they paired. They paired him up with another five-star recruit, um, so it's like Gonzaga is going to be completely reloaded. So I think, uh, yeah, shout out Chet, man. I've been a big fan of his as as a prep player, so it's cool to cool to see him come to Spokane. Yeah, and get, getting to see that next step, it's uh, it's always cool seeing that seeing well, that next step, step in a now, in a young Hooper's journey. I mean, the number I don't remember the last time a number one recruit went to a non-major division. 
Yeah. You know, like he's not going to a power five conference. He's about to just, he's about to throw up some crazy numbers. Hey, maybe Chet will convince Gonzaga to, to step up to the big boys and in the Pac-12. Ca- that's, kind of, that's kind of always the hope is that they've continually de- progressed, you know, through the years. You know, they, they just started getting, like, Zach Collins was their first All-American. Yeah. You know, so it's like the first 15 years of their run, they weren't getting, like, stud recruits. Now they've had a handful of all, now they've had a handful of all Americans with Chet and Hunter coming in this year. Um, they've gone to some national championship games now. So really the last thing to do is win one and it's they've got to figure out a way to get that basketball team playing Pac-12 teams. Whether it be some weird situation where it's only for basketball and not the other sports. But that's really the hang-up. It's like it's yeah. tough to put Gonzaga in the Pac-12 with every other sport but basketball. Right. Yeah, that's that's something they got to figure out. Maybe independent. You know, maybe they do something like that. That'd be cool. Do, yeah, do something like Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, shout out Chet Holmgren, man. He made out. He made the right decision, following following in his high school teammates' footsteps. Um, he was high school teammate to Jalen Suggs. So um, it's dope. Yeah. And then I got I got two shout outs real quick. First, uh, shout out to Steph Curry. Uh, he passed Kobe Bryant's streak for most consecutive uh, games where you score 30 points or more uh, when a player is 33 years or older. I know it's kind of a weird stat, but I mean, anytime you pass Kobe in a scoring stat, I'm, I'm going to mention it now just uh, because of that that respect that 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 accomplishment garners so you're telling me in back-to-back episodes he passed up chamberlain one episode now he's breaking a kobe scoring record yes on this yeah that's pretty good yes pretty good so steph curry he scored 30 or more points in 11 consecutive games kobe did that in 10 straight games back in 2012 uh, so kudos to Steph Curry. That's a that's an incredible accomplishment. And then my second one is Chris Paul passing Magic Johnson on the NBA all time assists list. That's a quite a tongueful assists list. Um, so yeah, CP3 now sits in fifth place. He is less than 200 assists away from passing both Mark Jackson and Steve Nash to move into third place. So Mark Jackson's in fourth, Steve Nash is in third, but Steve Nash literally has one more assist than Mark Jackson. So once CP3 passes Mark Jackson, he's realistically going to pass Steve Nash in probably the same game. So that's that's kind of a cool <laughs> moment. Uh, and then obviously Chris Paul passing Magic Johnson, that's, that's another big name p- passing a, a big name and like Steph Curry passing Wilton Kobe if you pass Magic Johnson in assists like I know there's more people that have assists above Magic Johnson but Magic Johnson's arguably the greatest point guard ever and he is in my book so that's that's a huge accomplishment for Chris Paul those are names those are big names <laughs> yes. no doubt and I think it, I was when I was looking at that stat I think CP3 realistically is going to add number two yeah I think you'll end up passing what J Kid number two. Uh yes, I think it's J Kid because yeah. Stockton's one, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's J Kid and then Nash, Mark Jackson. Yeah, that's that sounds Nash. about right. Yep. But all right, with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom show. For Tyler Pacholke, I am Eric, the Duke of Sports Scholar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace. Well, that'll be fixed in post. What that little clip? Yeah, I, I the marker was at the uh the wrong spot. Oh, gotcha. All right. So hold yep, on. Yeah, we'll fix fix it in post. Yep. All right, hold on. What a classic statement, fix it in post. That's like <laughs> Native film school, that was like one of the biggest jokes there is, you know, like everything's just like, oh, we'll fix it post. Uh I think I'm going to, if this ever happens again, like whenever this happens, I'm going to start putting this at the end of the episodes just as like a blooper for anybody that makes it to the end of the episode. Yeah, that's funny. All right. All right. Hold on one second. I'm going to hit the music now. All right. One second.